Look, I just give me a second. I'm going to open our Google Docs uh, with lists of segues. for the Mundangerous Cortex Moon in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 170 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're continuing our series on campaign settings and talking about playing in Fireflies, the verse. But first, the rogue traders make a fateful decision in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, Yosaf Bridge lies and makes you love it in the Character Creation Forge. So I thought it was uh, a one-off where I got to actually write about D&D for work, but turns out I got to do it again uh, starting this past week. Uh, Adobe started a contest with Photoshop where you can uh, make uh, a monster for D&D that's supposed to be in Undermountain, you know, some crazy monster that Halastra found and stuck in Undermountain. Uh, it's supposed to be terrifying, and uh, whoever makes the best monster, as judged by Adobe and Wizards of the Coast, gets $5,000, and their monster gets made into an actual mini. Although I think it's an unpainted mini, so that's a little less cool. But hey, $5,000 is cool. <laughs> With your $5,000, you can afford painting. Hey, or you could pay someone to paint it, although that's like $3,000. That's, so. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, you could afford to pay someone to paint it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I wrote an article, and it's a uh, link in the show notes. Cool. Have fun. There's another link in the show notes because I appeared on an actual play again. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah, I was on Tales from Mox Ferry, which is a Blades in the Dark actual play set in their fictional city of Mox Ferry. Is this the one where you're a cat or is that a different one? No, I played a cat. I played a former wizard's familiar who was a cat. Nice. Named? Whispers. Adorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a nice little like French-Spanish accent. Oh, like Puss in Boots. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> he was an aspiring actor. <laughs> like Antonio Banderas' Puss in Boots. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and we pulled a job to invade a dwarven like clan stronghold um, and rob their vault. You know, I'm always down with robbing the clan. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're great. Um, so it was it was fun. They're a great group of, of players um, and uh, and it was a really fun thing to record and i the first episode is up the next few um episodes will also be that adventure and uh and i enjoyed the first one so i am really looking forward to the rest did you play a cat that was also a child a baby cat oh no not a baby cat not i said cat not kitten did you use a kid's voice because you're kind of known for that i did not Mm. Wait, what? I'm not known for using kids' voices. Yeah, you play kids all the time. I play kids all the time, but I don't... I do. I have a kid voice. Yeah, right? you, yeah you totally do. Yeah. Totally. I just raise it an octave. <laughs> At us. Tell us about Shane's kid voice. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. Speaking of acting all immature-like, Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? The Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Dead World Malajact, the rogue traders have reached an accord with rival rogue trader Duhan Roth, and finally have a chance to escape the Inquisition service on this throne-forsaken planet. Yeah, an accord in that we will work together to get off this dumb planet, and he gets to shoot one of us. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was part of the deal, I think. It's part of the deal now. Well, it's part of the deal now, right, yeah. After it happened, it became part of the deal. Yeah, uh, his uh, adjutant gunslinger Ringo shot our arch-militant Draco in the face with an Inferno pistol. And mm-hmm. if you know anything about Inferno pistols or, you know, heard the name Inferno pistol, you know it's not a good scene. Nope. Um, so that happened. You finished out your negotiations and then you were preparing to mount up and return to the Inquisitor's base camp uh, when your character Trank, along with Flair and Trix, began investigating an ominous sound, the Company Six chant, coming from one of the Inquisition's battle wagons that had accompanied Roth's men. Yeah, uh, after a diversion caused by our Psyker Flare, we get inside the wagon, and then the chant turns into pleading, 
someone in our heads asking us to kill them and apologizing. We put our stab lights on, start investigating the inside of this wagon, and we see a terrifying sight. Yeah, it's like a bloated sack of skin that's barely even recognizable as a man sitting in a cage that's basically an Iron Maiden and just wallowing in filth. There are these crude augmetics that are full of gangrene implanted all throughout his body, open sores all over his skin and huge festering wounds from obvious amputations and horrible surgeries. Now, we've seen dark Eldar grotesques, uh, which, you know, sew people together. And we've seen Chaos Space Marines who like to face things with blood. Um, this person would have been better off in either of those situations. And the voice says again, kill me only in death. And when Trank looks into the creature's eyes, he realizes that this is actually Turvy, the twin brother of their fake rogue trader Topsy whom they gave to the Inquisition at one point because he was a psyker. This is what has happened. This is the consequences of their actions. And Trank, well known for never taking the shot, not at the war truck, not at Ringo after he killed Draco, changes his mind and puts a bullet in his head. And thus, Turvey's duty ends. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are talking about something very dear to my own heart, the Firefly campaign setting. So Shane, what is Firefly for those who have not heard of it? Firefly is a space Western in the sense of it's a Western in space, (laughs) like complete with the soundtrack. Yeah, that's totally it. Just like Star Wars is like fantasy in space, it's a Western in space. Yeah, (laughs) like Firefly is a spaghetti Western, (laughs) but with kind of laser sounding guns that are actually mostly just pistols i liked in the movie that they changed the laser sounding guns to just regular sounding guns Mm -hmm. yeah that was much better so the the setting is an analog of the american frontier of the 19th century but it's spread across a huge solar system that is far from earth so you know you've got central planets near the core and that's kind of like back east and the planets on the rim are the frontier You've got um, spaceships that act as stagecoaches, uh, although you also sometimes have actual stagecoaches because life on the rim is like really low tech and kind of rough. Yeah, it's it's actually just like living in the frontier. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just used Western sets when they were doing the TV show. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely use clothes. <laughs> so a civil war has just ended and the rebels weren't necessarily the bad guys, uh, but they definitely were not the winners. No. So... In this hard scrabble environment, to survive, sometimes the best thing that you can do is find a ship, find a crew, and keep flying. So, Firefly, of course, was the short-lived TV show created by Joss Whedon in 2002. Uh, it got canceled before its full run of episodes even aired. And then it also, like, they stopped, like, network executives were messing with it a lot, so they didn't air them in the right order, yeah. and, like, there was no, like, it, it overarching was, it was plot. It was Yeah, Fox really <laughs> ruined it. Uh, but fan activism led to the 2005 film Serenity, which tied up a bunch of loose ends. I think it was actually the first time where fans used the internet to, like, actually cause a show to sort of kind of come back. Yeah, and then the next time they did it was Lost, and look how that turned out. Yeah. Stop doing that. <laughs> Let things die. <laughs> All right, so since then, uh, there have been about a dozen comic book runs that continue the storyline. They're actually canon. And the first of three novels uh, featuring the crew of Serenity debuts next month. That's crazy to me that, like, there can be this much stuff still published in that universe, and they can't pick up the rights. Yeah. You know? Like, tell me that show doesn't belong on TV when things like The Expanse are still being saved from network to network i think fox is just sitting on them right like they're like oh there could be money in this eventually like isn't that what they did with uh fantastic four for a long time yeah they're like we need to make a terrible movie just so we can keep the rights right or whatever the company that owns D keeps doing no (laughs) not wizards of the coast (laughs) the studio (laughs) oh i thought you're talking about a rich baker's campaign setting uh, that he submitted uh, during the uh, campaign setting search that Eberron actually won. Oh, you mean Rich Birdloo? Uh Yes, that's also what I meant. The, <laughs> the giant, giant in the playground. playground. Yeah. yeah, not the uh, birthright guy. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Burlu's got. I think he put together an entire campaign setting that we don't know anything about because Wizard still has the rights. Like fifteen years later. Right. 
So Margaret Weiss Productions, you may know her from the Dragonlance books and a bunch of other RPG stuff, uh, published the Serenity RPG in 2005. It was actually the first RPG to use the Cortex system, which is uh, kind of Savage Worldsy. It's really, really swingy. I don't love it. And then a couple years ago, uh, Margaret Weiss Productions got the rights to the TV show as well uh, and published the Firefly RPG using Cortex Plus, the sort of rebuilt system on the Cortex base. Yeah, I've never actually played Cortex Plus, but it's got a much larger fan base. Um, it's sort of like a precursor to Genesis in that you have a dice pool and you take the best uh, result on the dice. Um, and then you know, any ones that you roll uh, generate complications. So there's it, like, a large narrative element in uh, rolling the dice. So there were a flurry of adventures written for uh, the Firefly RPG, including quite a few by Robin D. Laws, whom you may know from, well, really the biggest thing he's done has been our show. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> well, the biggest thing he's done has been talked about a lot his, of show. his partner <laughs> to be on our show. Uh, yeah. So Robin D. Laws wrote like Feng Shui and the Gumshoe System and Hill Folk and a bunch of other RPGs um, and supplements and various things. Now he works a lot. Um, I think he's actually employed by Pelgrim Press. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think Ken's a contractor and, and Robin's a, an employee. Oh. So since Margaret Weiss announced her retirement, I think in 2016, uh, Firefly's been pretty quiet, at least in the RPG sense, uh, because the community's been focused on the upcoming Cortex Prime system, which I, I guess is sort of like an all-encompassing system like Genesis, where you can play whatever you want, I suppose, including Firefly feel like they're really missing an opportunity to brand that as Cortex Double Plus, but that's good. Hey, that, that is what C++ is. Yeah, it's right. Cortex++. Plus Plus. Come on. All right. So in this series, what we do is we give you an overview of uh, a campaign setting uh, so that your group can determine if you want to play there. Now, I think it's kind of unlikely that anyone actually listening to this and considering playing a Firefly game hasn't actually gone out and like seen the small amount of content Right, like you can't read every single thing about the Forgotten Realms, or I right. guess you could, but you couldn't have a job too. Uh, but you can watch all fourteen episodes of the TV show and a movie, and maybe read some comic books. Wait, are there actually fourteen episodes released, or is it only eight? Uh, eight were on TV, but there are fourteen if you buy like the DVD. Okay, so they released the other six, and then I think it's on like Netflix too. Like I know we streamed it. Uh, it keeps coming, going back and forth. I guess I don't know. I can never keep track of like what's on what. All right, and which, if you're which listening means to it's this, pirated and- on YouTube. <laughs> Yes, probably. I remember way back in the day, I ripped them and put them on my video iPod. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> yes, the 1.5 inch screen was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Times there are changing. Oh, I mean, the CGI was not great, so it looked much better. Okay, so overview of the setting. It takes place in the verse. Several hundred years in the future of, I guess, the real world, where the Earth's resources are spent. So humanity migrates and mass in generational ships to a new, much larger solar system. Now, Earth that was is just a legend. So as we mentioned, the system is divided into three general territories. There are the core worlds, which are technologically advanced, and people live calm, orderly lives in these pristine, you know, cushy environments. Life is good, uh, unless you make trouble or step out of line, because the Alliance is an authoritarian government, um, which, you know, controls the entire system and attempts to enforce its will upon everybody. Yeah, there are worlds like Lindinium and Osiris that house universities and teaching hospitals and, of course, is the base for the Alliance government. They're strongest here. Sinan is a world of temples, gardens, and meditation. Uh, I think most it's the home of the Buddhist faith, which is still pretty popular. Uh, and home to the Companions Guild, which regulates the influential and highly regarded sex workers' profession. Then you have border worlds, which are crowded, dystopian, cyberpunk slums. Um, they're all chaotic urban sprawl, butting up against industrial machinery with like busy shipyards and cafes playing news programs and popular music. And it's basically like, you know, far future Dickensian society. Yeah, exactly. Complete with people with cockney accents oh yeah badger <laughs> uh yeah and you know there's a there's a blade runner aesthetic happening certainly uh like at the east at the eaves down docks on persephone you can buy passage to anywhere in the system you can find a ship if you've got a ship you can find a crew uh, with the right skills or you know you can buy uh dog kebabs right uh right there on the street they're delicious and tasty 
Yep. And then naturally, uh, this is also where the black market thrives, um, which is great if you need to find a, you know, more under the table kind of job or need to get yourself into trouble, you know, need to fence some goods that are stamped with alliance uh, insignia, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Or you feel like getting yourself robbed or shot. Mm hmm. There are some worlds uh, on the border like Beaumont that are given over entirely to factories and scrapyards. There are others like Santo and Paquin that are essentially pleasure planets or like Las Vegas the planet. And then you've got things like Bellerophon, which is a refuge for the wealthy who want like, a little more privacy than you can actually get on the core worlds, but not actually give up any of the amenities. And then last, there are the worlds on the rim, which are the most sparsely settled and are sometimes just newly terraformed. Sometimes the poorly terraformed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Often there's no electricity except in alliance run like areas, which are, you know, security outposts or like mining operations, that sort of thing. And people travel by horse and wagon or they end up farming or ranching. You know, they are self-sufficient. They are living very much like the American frontier of the 19th and early 20th centuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes now even. I, I mean... <laughs> It's, you know, it's incredible to me, actually. I just learned that there was a gold rush in Alabama in 1929. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, so there's a whole thing about, like, the Appalachian gold rush. They're called the 29ers, um, which you don't hear, out, hear about at all because of the, um, obviously, the stock market crash, right? But, like, there was an East Coast gold rush less than 100 years ago. Wow, is there any gold left? No, absolutely not. <laughs> So the thing I like about the Rim Worlds is there's this dichotomy between like very much an old West style, like, you know, six shooters and horses. Um, but then there is still occasionally access to very high levels of levels of technology, like a, a safe will have digital locks. And, you know, when the Alliance does come through, they have Kevlar body armor mm -hmm. and like, you know, automatic, automatic weapons. weapons. Yeah, <laughs> mostly automatic weapons. Right. That's, <laughs> tends to be the big thing. Yeah, there are hover sleds, like anti-gravity uh, sleds that people call mules. Of course, there are also actual mules. It just depends on how much money you have. Right. Um, so this is an area where like outlaws become a thing, right? Because there's wide swaths of land that are largely ungoverned and like the law in these areas is doing the best it can, but it's too far from civilization to really maintain true order. It's almost like a place where a party could really be murder hobos. <laughs> No, not in Firefly. Not in Firefly. Well, you know, well maybe one you know, or two of you could be. A couple, couple Janes. Yeah, that's right. So there are moons like Whitefall and Silverhold that are mostly just like barren scrubland, and settlers are trying to eke out a living as best they can. Then there are places like Jianying, where people have been known to kidnap visitors who have desirable skills. Uh, but, you know, religious zeal often leads to murderous violence. There is plenty of room to set up colonies or communities that are far away from everyone else. Um... But being alone is also pretty dangerous. You've got marauding reavers, which will attack occasionally. They kill everyone they find in these gruesome and inhuman ways. And far beyond even the most distant rim world, there are stories of another planet, a secret planet called Miranda, where rumors say something terrible happened to many, many people. So about a dozen years ago in the general timeline of the verse the alliance moved to consolidate its control on every single world not just the core uh, the rim and some border worlds rebelled and that sparked the unification war which lasted i think five or six years or so there were entire cities and even a planet or two that were completely wiped out by the sheer firepower of alliance gunboats which makes sense when you've got basically like farmers and ranch hands who are like shooting at spaceships and fighter jets with rifles and revolvers yeah it for the Alliance, victory was a foregone conclusion, but no one expected the independents to fight that hard. So there's still plenty of resentment on both sides. Right. What is it Mal says? I was, uh, I was on the losing side. I'm not sure I was on the wrong side. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not sure I'm... What was it? I still don't think... I was on the losing side. I'm still not sure I was on the wrong side. Yeah. So there are a bunch of different themes. I think one of the reasons that people are interested in playing a Firefly game... Um, it isn't necessarily that the world is so expansive. You know, the RPGs did a, like the source books did a pretty good job of fleshing out a bunch of worlds with information that wasn't necessarily in the actual media. But, you know, this isn't Forgotten Realms where you've got 30 years of history and stories and adventures and like you can be anywhere and it's all fully defined. But there are so many different themes that you can explore, so many different types of Firefly games that you can play. Yeah, the, the other thing of this is like, 
as we're talking through these themes, like what's nice about Firefly specifically is that the pilot episode, like the just the single first episode, which takes 44 minutes to watch, totally immerses you in all of this and gives you everything you need to know, like as to what to expect to play the game. So if you can get a player to sit down and watch a decent episode of television, like they're in that that's all the background they need. Yeah, it's interesting because like there was the the actual two part pilot that Fox didn't run which I think is just called Serenity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, the team had to scramble to make another pilot that Fox actually wanted to run, and that's the train job. And you're 100% right. Like, if you watch that, it hits everything that you want in a real Firefly game. Yep. All right, so the first theme that you're probably touching on, and maybe it's more high level, is freedom versus safety. This is always sort of in the background of any Firefly game and any character in the verse. Like, on the core worlds... No one worries about food or, or medical care. Like it's very nearly post scarcity, but every single action is monitored and recorded. There are no go zones. There are places where you know your ID is automatically scanned everywhere that you go. So you are always, always tracked. On the rim, of course, nobody cares what you do. You could murder people or have your own weird cult religion, but you know, it, <laughs> you could just die of starvation or you never know when a gun-toting gang is just going to show up and take over your town. Right. Yeah, so it becomes a question of like, what's important to the members of your crew, right? Is it freedom? Is it safety? Do you need to balance the two in the border worlds? Like, what's your spot? Yeah, and I think the show did this well. You'd have multiple members of the crew and some people want to be out on their own. Like, they want to be out from under the thumb and that's why they're sort of eking out this existence as like sometimes smugglers sometimes like cargo transporters but there are other people on the crew who actually really miss being on the core world didn't mind being um like washed all the time because things were safe and comfy uh but they've just sort of been forced by circumstance to be out here in these terrible sticks so there's another strong theme of authoritarianism to go along with freedom for safety <laughs> <laughs> Um, in that, you know, the core wants to bring peace and prosperity to everyone, but that comes with a price. So as long as you obey the alliance, things are pretty much fine, but it will go to any lengths to enforce its rule, um, including straight up murder. Yeah, like the alliance is what? Like pretty much the epitome of lawful neutral? Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't really see mor- morality or like good or bad. It's simply there is order and there is not order. Right. They're also really like proactive in their control measures. And like the, this is where the Alliance gets, I think, really creepy, or at least can be really creepy. Um, it doesn't have a problem with things like brainwashing or experimental drugs to pacify people. Um, they're fine if people have no free will or even incapable of free will, as long as they're sort of like staying in line and doing what they're told. But of course, sometimes there are very terrible side effects from these kinds of uses. Yeah, it's interesting because like, the alliance in contrast with like big brother right um like big brother is definitely evil whereas like the alliance like it experiments with those things to figure out what's possible but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to use them right like it it's more like they have tools that they won't use right but they're also very brutal in the tools that they do use yeah it's like a they're they're pursuing the greater good, at least in their minds, right? Right. Like, there are these people on the rim, sure, and, like, they don't want to be independent, whatever. There aren't even that many of them compared to the billions of people who live on core worlds in, like, relative peace and prosperity. Like, why don't th- these people just fall in line? And, like, okay, if we need to, like, annihilate one plan that there are, like, dozens of others. Right. And we'll just set an example. Right. But probably the, the reason that most players are here actually playing in firefly is because you get to pull jobs like crime is a thing and it's not necessarily a bad thing that you do because often the best way to make a living is to take it from other people yeah preferably people who are undeserving yeah right there are a lot of bad people out here and you know they probably stole this from someone else so a firefly crew should have the skills you need to take uh and protect whatever it can uh hopefully again from people who deserve it and we'll get into like all the different kinds of jobs you can run. This is really like the a great kind of system for like a Blades in the Dark or like we're running um, a criminal gang type of game. I guess a criminal gang with a heart of gold, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
what that does mean though is Firefly presents opportunities to have players make difficult choices. Like like Shane mentioned earlier, you know, it's this sounds like a place where murder hobos would work really well, but the best kind of Firefly game is actually it it shines when the party is actually trying to be decent or maybe even good people, but the universe is conspiring against them. You know, so maybe they did pull a job and like they they stole from the alliance and you know they had a successful and like lucrative payday, except that then they find out <laughs> that what they actually stole was medicine for dying settlers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? Do you give it back like they do in the show? Um, do you figure out something else you can do with it? Do you give half of it back, maybe? Right. Can we can we somehow split the difference? <laughs> uh, and then, like, you should be confronted with the consequences of your actions. If you don't give it back, it should come to back to bite you in some way or affect you in some way. You should see the people who are dying because they don't get that medicine. Yep. And because it's such a dangerous place, like... <sighs> Characters with high ideals often find those ideals tested. You have a preacher who considers himself a pacifist. But what would it take to have him kill? What kind of threat would it take? And, and you know, who needs to be threatened in order for him to actually take up a gun? These are the things that you want to find out in a Firefly game. Yep. Then, I mean, it's not all just simple, like, moral choices too, right? Like, you might have the choice between, like... Um, completing your job successfully um, or maybe dealing with uh, or aiding some refugees from like alliance control um, that are fleeing you know an area that the alliance is taking over or something like that like you know you might have your two ideals kind of in conflict with each other and also like the impending threat of if you help one side um, you know you the refugees will resent you if, if you help the other side. The people who paid you to steal that cargo will resent you. Like, how do you deal with those two things, right? Right. Uh, I have my principles and I want to be a good person. Those people over there, though, have guns. Exactly. And lots of them. Crap. How my do most we get out of this? Im- my most important principle is survival. <laughs> I think Firefly is a really great setting for chaotic good characters mm-hmm. who like want to do the right thing. But like the, the actions that lead to goodness are not necessarily prescribed. Like you need to figure it out and maybe even argue about it in the party. Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting thing too, is like it's not that everybody needs to be chaotic good, right? Um, you can have varying points of view in the party, but I think what you need to do is bias the outcomes towards that sort of chaotic good um, because that gives you the most fertile ground for continued debate. Yeah, bad things are happening to good people and sometimes those good people are us. Right. And if, if the group's like immediate and constant disposition is screw those people, I only care about myself, well, then they're just kind of a backdrop, you know? Like they don't really get to be a part of the game. Right. They end up being like the NPCs in a Firefly game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um another really big theme that you can play almost entirely is survival. Uh, out on the rim, resources are very scarce. So sometimes it's hard to find even food and water, let alone gas for your spaceship. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, calamity happens and that's where scarcity is temporarily enforced as well. You know, like it's not that the crew of the Firefly are necessarily starving, um, but when a given part on the Firefly breaks, well, how hard is it to get a replacement and get off this rock? What if there's only one? And, and it's, it's in on, an alliance compound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or on the ship of a friendly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Either way, two jobs. <laughs> or on the ship of a friendly in an alliance compound. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in alliance lockup. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to rescue you, but also abandon you. <laughs> Another theme is the camaraderie of the crew. Um, sort of the, the thick as thieves mentality, right? That... Um, being a member of the crew entitles you to a certain amount of um, respect and also like loyalty um, amongst each other Um, even though like again that is often tested um, between the individual characters yeah there are a lot of plot points that come up in a Firefly game that only really matter because the crew cares about each other or needs to stick together for survival right Um, yeah it may be easy in the moment to abandon someone because like they got picked up by the feds, but 
the the crew when they view the, each other as akin to a family then you've got reasons for actually like infiltrating an alliance compound and using all of those like uh, criminal abilities that you have in order to like get that person out you know you don't leave anyone behind right yeah i i like there's that one scene in there where i think it's jane right um they rescue jane after he screws something up and he's like oh i thought you were gonna leave me i screwed up and he's like yeah but your crew yeah i know but i screwed up yeah but your crew yeah why are we still talking about this <laughs> get on board <laughs> <laughs> idiot uh, Firefly is also a really hard sci setting, or mostly hard sci, in that there's no magic, there's no aliens, uh, there's no faster than light travel. Like it was generational ships to get this, to this other solar system, and like it takes weeks to get from moon to moon or planet to planet. Right. Yeah. Most people still use like regular firearms. They don't use lasers. Um, there's minor psychic abilities that exist, but there's nothing super flashy. And and even so, anybody who has those abilities is either being grossly experimented upon by the alliance or desperately trying to hide those abilities right like the the most you get is uh you're a great martial artist (laughs) yeah the most (laughs) (laughs) only great (laughs) Uh, and we touched on this a bit but um fireflies the verse is full of ambiguous morality like no one including the player characters and anyone they meet is going to be all good or all bad. I mean, I think if you're all good, you tend to die really quickly. Um, uh, same if you're all bad, you yeah, become a reaver. <laughs> yeah, and, or someone's going to shoot you, you know? Uh, cartel bosses can be your allies and your friends. Uh, the Alliance has, at least at the top level, benevolent goals, even though often its methods lead to atrocities. But, you know, again, not most people are not suffering atrocities at the hands of the Alliance. Most people are, like, living pretty good lives. Um, the, the alliance like is trying to pursue ultimately good aims and most of the people in the alliance most of the people you meet may be like dismissive or condescending but they're you know they're not really on board with wholesale wholesale murder that happens at the top level or like is a consequence of directives that are given right yeah they, i think they see people on the rim as more like simpletons who don't understand the value of the alliance less so than like enemies that need to be purged yeah like you know after the civil war they there weren't like reprisals you know right um they're actually saying great now we're providing you security and you know sometimes that security is like a very heavy thumb on the scale Mm -hmm. or we're telling you what your town needs to be like but ostensibly it's so everyone can like live a fulfilling life so the flip side of that though is that not all the people on the rim all those like independent settlers and all those types they're not all noble either you know like they aren't all there because they hold some higher ideal that's being oppressed by the alliance some people are just there to carve out their own fiefdom and be their own despot yeah i just want you to leave me alone so that i can oppress everyone yeah exactly like (laughs) these are not all like well-intentioned people yeah religious zealots go out there cult leaders go out there um criminal gangs who are just trying to escape a warrant on seven worlds right (laughs) maybe that's one of you right exactly (laughs) probably not disclosed to the other members of the crew though (laughs) all right so there are plenty of really cool and interesting plot hooks that you can run in a firefly game and of course the first one the maybe the the one you definitely want to include the quintessential if you will yeah robbery in motion in some manner are you robbing a train that's, uh, you know, on the tracks in motion? And I kind of like it where uh, you rob the train and they don't know you've robbed the train, right? Rather than like riding up to the engineer and sticking a gun in his face. Mm-hmm. Of course, it could also be a stagecoach. It could also be a spaceship en route between two moons. Yep. You could also have um, various variety of uh, con jobs. <laughs> like plenty of confidence games to be played on the uh, on the on the rim. Um, whether that's selling bogus land rights or mineral rights or, um, you know, setting somebody up uh, with the promise of a score that you then intend to just take from them, that sort of thing. Yeah, we're just trying to trick this very bad person out of a lot of money that they received in an ill-gotten way. Oh, yeah. We're the good guys here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is also great for heists, um, breaking in and breaking out. 
There are a lot of uh, goods, maybe uh, things that were acquired during the war through illicit means. Uh, maybe there are prisoners, uh, prisoners of war, uh, prisoners who are being experimented on who need to be freed uh, and taken to, you know, a more independent, although probably harder life out on the rim. Yeah. You got to get in, you got to get out. You, of course, could be on the run yourself, either uh, one member of the crew, which puts the rest of the crew in danger. It's, that's tough. Or it could be the entire crew because you got caught getting out. And now there's a warrant for all of you on Seven Worlds. Or I like the idea that your ship itself could be stolen. Ooh. And that's what's wanted. Um, so you only need it as long as, as it takes to actually legitimately acquire an alternative. But that could take a long time. Yeah, I like that. Your first ship is not the quintessential Firefly. No. It is a crappy cargo ship. It is somebody else's quintessential (laughs) Firefly. (laughs) Oh, I like that a lot, actually. It's like actually a well-kitted Firefly, Um, but it's hot. And so there's a time limit to how much risk you can take with it until you need to find your own ship that isn't... um, being sought after in multiple planets and in the meantime you're searching all the smugglers compartments and you're thinking all right what of this equipment can we actually strip down yeah (laughs) and repurpose when we get our own ship like we got to get as much (laughs) yeah we got to get as much value out of this thing as possible right (laughs) hey uh we found your firefly but it was totally stripped sorry (laughs) somebody parked it in a bad part of town (laughs) still runs though (laughs) Uh, it also could be that you're on the run, but you were falsely accused or someone was falsely accused. Um, or, you know, maybe the Alliance just wants you and decided to trump up some charges. Yeah. Also, you know, that could put you in a place where you're looking for like a smoking gun to prove your innocence um, in the process. Mm-hmm. At a higher level, uh, you could be dealing with essentially uh, reconstruction after the Unification War. Um the Alliance is now making inroads on the rim. It's putting security forces in place. Um, it's establishing banks. You know, it's putting magistrates in place. Um, how do people feel about that? You know, your your campaign or a lot of your campaign can take place on the ground, on like a, a backwoods world where people are adapting to this new form of government and probably not liking it. Maybe there are still separatist factions who is the good person and who is the bad person here, right? Like if the alliance comes in and like there's a mayor of the town now who has been appointed and not elected, um, do they have the town's best interest at heart? Maybe they actually do. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're here because they do want to like bring civilization to these rubes and, you know, medicine and, and schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, maybe some people need to be made an example of or not. Uh, and, you know, if you want to play uh, essentially the TV show and the movie, you want to play that, uh, theme, then your entire crew could be caught up in something bigger. You know, you're just trying to make a living. Uh, but but it turns out that someone you pick up or something you pick up, maybe something you stole, uh, is part of a much bigger scheme on the part of the Alliance. And now they're looking for you or it. Yeah. A funny thing happened on the way to the train job. <laughs> we found a secret. Crap. I really wish we didn't have this secret. Right. We can't unlearn this. Well, I guess we can unlearn this secret when they put a bullet in our heads. And it would be morally wrong for us to just deal with this secret ourselves. Yeah. And even if we try to, the Alliance is coming for us. Right. Um, then on the more speculative side, if you wanted to kind of more advance the timeline, um, change the setting up a little bit so it's less recognizable, you could also set it after the events of Miranda. Um Uh, So basically at the end of Serenity, the movie, um, and then look at how is the alliance different? How is the the verse different now that Miranda has happened and all of that? Yeah, everyone knows about it. Does this shake alliance control at all? Does the alliance clamp down even tighter because it's worried about its position? Are there new separatist groups? And these are themes that are um, explored in the the comics a bit. Um, Although... That's really more focused on like continuing the plot line of the TV show and the, the movie. The main characters, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, like, yeah, I highly recommend playing your own characters who, like, I don't know, may see the actions of the the TV show, but actually probably don't even right. The verse is a big place, and like, they're actually not really like big names. Yeah, at like Miranda is the only thing that I think any other like random smuggler would possibly even know of um though you could definitely have ties to 
characters from the show like in your backstory right you could have served in the brown coats with mal yeah and you know if you're stopping by persephone you have to talk to badger right would you not talk to Badger? yeah yeah exactly (laughs) he's like the only fence there well is he dead he's not dead well at least canonically i don't think he's dead okay good good (laughs) right if if you can do a good cockney accent he will love you oi (laughs) Or I guess an orc accent, right? Boy, <laughs> all orcs are cockneys. <laughs> all right, so um, we talked a little bit about Cortex Plus and the Firefly RPG itself, but we always also talk about how to adapt a setting to other systems, and I think there are a few different ones that lend themselves nicely to Firefly. Yeah, this probably isn't one that you play with like a and d setting, you know? It's- System. Yes, that is, is what I meant. DD system. Also, what I said. <laughs> yep. Yep. So not a Starfinder. May well maybe a Starfinder, right? Um, I don't know. I actually don't play Starfinder. I think it works really well with almost anything that can you can run Star Wars with. Yeah. So yeah. Star Wars Saga Edition, Fantasy Flight Games, uh, Star Wars with the the narrative dice. All you do is just sort of strip out the force, or like the take out the move. Uh kinds of force abilities you can do the uh telepathy and then probably the ones that like make you better at physical combat leave uh, those in and then you're good yeah i would probably strip out all of the force and just don't play psychic characters because there's there's, there's pro- always someone who wants to be the one psychic character there's like one in the entire verse <laughs> unless you read the comic books okay all right <laughs> Um, so naturally, if you recommend Star Wars, we would also recommend Genesis. Just a matter of whether you want to reskin or rebuild. Um, and then another one that I think has already sort of been done is Blades in the Dark. Yeah, I love the idea that like Blades in the Dark, you know, you're running a criminal crew. You can decide what kind of crew you are. Um, that's great because, you know, maybe you're just stealing stuff. You're probably not running an Assassin's Guild, but, you know, who knows? I also love the mechanic of blades where uh the crew itself has um its own xp and like it gets bonuses and then everyone who's part of the crew gets bonuses i I like that because you can make that the ship right who is essentially another character in the game uh what's the um the blades in the dark uh adaptation scum and villainy yeah Uh, which i guess is ostensibly made to run star wars but it seems like it works really well for firefly yeah i mean i think (laughs) like we flipped through it at Gen Con and um, one of the players in our group owns it. And I think it's slightly more Firefly than it is Star Wars, um, despite using, you know, a line from Star Wars for its title. All right. Well, I'm going to flip through it in much more detail because I'm still looking for like a, a system to run our Firefly game that I will be running at some point someday. <laughs> I've been saying that for like three years. Well, that's that's fitting because uh, that brings us to our <laughs> our final question: Would you play a game in Firefly? <laughs> oh hell yes, I would play a game in Firefly. Um, I ran a very short-lived one using Star Wars Saga Edition, uh, which requires a lot of like tweaking and like ripping things out and throwing them to the wayside. But it was fun and interesting, and like the the system is less important than the banter, honestly, at the table. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, we've also played three epilogue adventures for that upcoming prologue. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, we ran, we, we ran the end. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> we finished the campaign. Now, now tell me how it. Hey, started. you're all dead. Yeah, actually, that might might work fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you all die. How do we get there? That was only one of those prologue adventures. I did that way. <laughs> um, you ate people. Yeah, so we ran three three potential prologue adventures um, to sort of maybe set some background for potential characters. Um, for this upcoming game and uh yeah no it works uh they were all three different one was what breaking out of a prison on miranda um uh or yeah, somewhere on the rim after a reaver attack killed everyone else in the town okay i thought um, okay uh one of them was like uh, a hard scrabble community in like a very um inhospitable part like snowy frozen winter type part of a planet that um led to some dark choices and then one was a Genesis game where uh, you were security, I think, on Bellerophon, and things went awry. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we we got interrupted by what, somebody else's heist? Uh, no, no, by, no, Alliance. By, uh, Hands of Blue, yeah. Hands yeah. of Blue showed up. Uh, great. <laughs> Wonderful. 
they don't uh, they don't carry guns and they don't punch. The, the <laughs> they prob- just kill. The problem with these three adventures was that I actually really like two of the characters from them. Uh oh. <laughs> so which one are you gonna play? I don't know. I think my hard fought survivor who refused to eat people. Mm, she's the only one who didn't eat people. You had a uh, shepherd who did eat people so that you wouldn't have to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I conned a shepherd into eating people. <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? Yes, these bones are very crunchy. I was not expecting that. All right. Well, let's go prepare our next meal over in the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sends Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And Total Party Thrill is brought to you by Cobalt Press. Warlock is a Patreon-supported project from Cobalt Press, who are the publishers of the Midgard campaign setting for 5th edition D&D. With your support, the Cobalts can make new 5th edition Midgard material on a regular, ongoing basis. Yeah, like all those other campaign settings they've got, like uh, what, Southlands well, and a different one. Those aren't other campaign settings. Those are like other pieces of Midgard, right? I think... No, I thought Midgard was like... It's on the same world, but like Midgard is like eastern europe Europe. and scandinavia yeah and southlands is africa Uh uh-huh and there's i think another one yeah but isn't that all one setting i don't know i think they're technically it's sort of like bear with me there's forgotten realms right but it's on the same planet as caratur but they are kind of different campaign settings sort of kind of just like mazdaka Okay. Or uh, Al-Kadim, right? <laughs> Let's talk about Cobalt Press's Patreon. Look, in return for being a patron, you'll get first access to new maps, new monsters, new 5e character options, and much more. You can subscribe today and instantly get access to brand new mini dungeons and adventures like Smuggler's Run, The Black Sarcophagus, The Fate Courts, and many more. I think uh, our Black Company game should do something with The Black Sarcophagus. It mm-hmm. seems... Uh, Drink its juice. <laughs> Again, why? Why is this red? I thought it was supposed to be uh, black grape juice. Yeah, oh, come on, okay. come on. All right, fine. I'll have grape juice. So expand the world of fifth edition dark fantasy at Patreon.com/slash Cobalt Press. All right. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building Yosaf Bridge. She is probably one of my favorite characters from Firefly, even though she was only in two episodes. Now, who is this? Uh, this Yosaf. Uh, well, we don't actually know her real name, but it is Christina Hendricks, okay. be- before Mad Men fame, right? Uh, who is a seductress, an imposter, and most likely a psychopath. And spoilers, also Mal's wife. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely got married at that one time, uh, even though he didn't really know that was happening. Right. Yeah. Uh, Saffron, as she's introduced, is a consummate liar, um, thief. Uh, she's just everything that a rogue should and could be. Um, and she seems to just do it for like shits and giggles. Yeah, it's also really interesting that the only one who spots it is the companion on the ship. Yes. Right? They, like, what does that tell you about <laughs> skill sets? She specifically says, ah, you've had companion training. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, she just uh, seems to pull jobs because she likes to pull jobs and then, you know. Uh, takes over a ship, gets the entire crew killed, and like I guess gets a cut. But I don't know. She used to be rich. Right. She doesn't need to do this, but I guess she needs to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the build? Swashbuckler Rogue 16, Glamour Bard 4. So she's going to be a variant human, of course. You're going to get an extra feat, which is wonderful. Obviously, you max charisma because Saffron is nothing if not charisma forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think high decks, we definitely see her uh, kick wash in the head. Well, that doesn't take high decks for that, but she does hold her own in a fight. Uh, and intelligence because she's very good at, you know, stealing and, and scheming. Mm-hmm. So from Bard, we'll get two expertises and we'll also get jack of all trades, which will make us quite skilled in a variety of things. You'll get second level spells. You get some inspiration dice to help your allies. Uh, we are not here for those abilities. You don't have any allies. Yeah. Uh, you'll also get Mantle of Inspiration, which gives you temp HP for your allies, which we're also not here for. No, we are here in Bard for enthralling performance. 
If you spend one minute performing or singing or dancing or reciting, your target needs to save, or multiple targets need to save or be charmed by you for one hour. Now recall, how did she get Mal to marry her in the first place? She charmed him. With dancing. Uh-huh. How did she seduce Mal in his bunk? She recited the Bible. Uh-huh. How did she charm Wash in the cockpit? Uh, with her with her boot. Nope. Eventually. Eventually with her boot, <laughs> yes. Eventually with her sneak attack boot right. to the head. She did more recitation. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very good at this. Uh, and all she needs is a minute to talk to you. I will say, I like the scene with uh, her and Wash in the cockpit, right? Because um, I think sometimes people play charm or persuasion checks a little bit wrong. Like, it's not mind control. She obviously got a very high check. He was very interested, but there was no way he was going to cheat on his wife, Zoe, slash Gina Torres, slash Lawrence Fishburne's wife. Right. Right. Like, it wouldn't matter how high her check was. He was not going to do it. So she had to subdue him with a kick to the head. Yep. So then from Rogue, we'll get 8d6 sneak attack dice. To the head. Uh, Four more expertise. So like, you know, get all the Rogue stuff. And obviously you're looking at deception and persuasion at the very least. Yep. You'll get all of the defensive abilities. So cunning action, uncanny dodge, evasion, and proficiency in wisdom saves. You'll get reliable talent. So you're never going to roll less than an 11 on any of those trained skills. Plus jack of all trades means that you're at least getting a plus three to all the ones that you're not trained in. Uh, fancy footwork lets you uh, break away when you actually do get into an altercation. And then Rakish Audacity, of course, gives you your charisma bonus to initiative, as well as the ability to use sneak attack when you are the only um, creature next to your target. Like if you're in a cockpit together with just one other person. Yeah, she does a lot of one-on-one <laughs> sneak attacks. Yeah. Now, we're here really for Panache, because we love Panache, because Panache is wonderful. As an action, you can charm someone for one minute. Now, you have their attention for a minute. So recite some poetry or the Bible or dance a bit. And now your enthralling performance has them charmed for an hour. Right. The best thing about enthralling performance is they idolize you. Like the the text says they speak well of you even when you're not around. They do idolize you and they will hinder anyone who opposes you. Uh-huh. Uh, you basically have a minion now. Right. <laughs> Multiple minions, actually. So look, if you're not already in combat, you show up. One action, charm. Hey, I want you to listen to me for a minute. Da, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a little dance. Hey, I like you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to marry you. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's kind of my MO. Uh, you'll also get five ability score increases, which is handy because you are always unarmed and unarmored. Yeah, you're going to want to get that. Max that charisma and then that dex as well. Um you're also going to want them for feats because you want actor, which gives you a plus one to charisma, but also advantage on deception and performance checks when you are impersonating someone. And if you are Saffron or Yosaf Bridge, you are always impersonating someone because you don't really have your own identity. Right. You're also going to want tavern brawler so that you can actually uh, hold your own in a fist fight. Right. Uh, and your background, I think, will be charlatan, which gives you at least one cover ID to get you started. So in terms of leveling order, you're going to start with Bard, uh, take that all the way to level four. Yeah, that's your companion training, right? Yep. Yeah. And then just finish it out with Rogue. So Shane, who is your Yosef Bridge? Uh, My Yosef Bridge was a Bard, obviously, um, but had a bit of a falling out. Um, So Bards, you know, they're organized in in the colleges primarily, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the College of Glamour means different things to different people <laughs> like in in a way glamour is about charm right but in another way glamour is about um physical beauty and sort of like presence right um and i think that's where my yosef bridge sort of um went awry my my yosef bridge is is very command performance and and a wonderful personality and 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 like charisma but not necessarily glamorous and um you know conventionally beautiful and, mm. and all of those sorts of things which you know in a uh, in a college full of beautiful people uh, beautiful glamorous people uh is very unnerving and and very frustrating and and meant that he was bullied uh quite a bit so he decided that instead of you know, sitting in, in front of everybody and, and learning how to perform and recite and do all of these types of things, and that's all he was going to ever do with his life, 
he decided to get even. Um, so my Yosef Bridge is actually a former bard who specifically targets bards uh, oh. for revenge. Huh. That's very interesting. I like that. You know, it is a what is it? A it is a is a greater. It's greater to deceive the deceiver. Is that right? Is that Machiavelli? Maybe, and also to have them fear you. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, I like I like that, right? The the real challenge is uh taking on these other bards who have uh a similar skill set or maybe I guess had a similar skill set and now you've uh, branched out. Right. Uh so in in Hollywood, uh your Yosef Bridge, he is uh, a character actor. Mhm. Yeah. Look, you know me from somewhere. Yeah. You just can't quite place me. Exactly. I'm always a different person every time you see me. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman before <laughs> doubt. Uh, that guy that I can't think of right now because I don't know his actual name, but I've seen him in everything. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> uh, how about your Yosef Bridge? My Yosef Bridge um, doesn't like her parents. Okay. Yeah. She's had every advantage in the world. They've really tried to... Uh, make her into a proper young woman, um, educated, uh, you know, sent her off to the best schools, bard college even. You know, not everyone can qualify to be a bard. You've got to have at least 13 charisma. So, Mm -hmm. yep. But she chafed at these restrictions. She said, you know what? I'm doing this because you want me to do it, uh, to fulfill your idea of who I'm supposed to be. But that's not who I want to be. It's not who I am. I don't even know who I am because I've just played this role. And you know what? I don't want this. She leaves. She drops out of Bard College before getting to level five, which, of course, means that you can, you know, use your Bardic Inspiration every short rest rather than every day. Okay, That's that's basically your diploma, of course. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And decides, you know what? She'll eke out her own living on the mean streets. Rogue. Ah, this. This is what I was born to do. I am a consummate liar, a professional liar. I'm very good at it. And she, while is capable in combat, really doesn't like to get her hands dirty she prefers to get a minion to do her dirty work for her okay and you know so yes you have enthralled with your performance that's fine someone will you know make sure that people aren't hindering you but you do that enough times you um spend enough time with that person and eventually they'll do what you tell them to do right and also it's much easier to get leverage over someone when they're happy to let you inside their house oh yeah um and so I think she probably does sometimes blackmail people into doing things for her or taking out an opponent, but I think she really prefers. It is most fun for her when they do it willingly. They, they're they the ones who make the offer. Wait, let me take care of them for you. Oh, this is like a like a pulp novel. Uh, I, we actually didn't touch on that, but noir works great in Firefly. <laughs> this is like some like, double indemnity stuff. She's great as an NPC. Um, if you want to play her as a PC, though. Uh, yeah, charm those shopkeepers. Yeah. Uh, dance for a minute and then, you know, stab people in the head in actual combat. All right, fair enough. All right, before we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah, your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. You can also leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And this week we have inspirational and witty from HasDB. Hey, from the UK. These guys really know their stuff. The show is full of funny and witty moments, but it also gives useful, concrete advice to help with your own DMing. Of special note is the excellent chemistry between the hosts, which makes most other podcasts seem stilted and full of uncomfortable gaps. Great job, guys. Your hard work is appreciated. Uh, I hate you, Shane. Mm, I hate you, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand why people think we get along. I don't understand why people think we don't edit out those awkward games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just spent 14 seconds not saying anything because I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, I just spent uh, three seconds editing that gap out <laughs> to make you appear more witty. <laughs> Hold on. Really, isn't that chemistry? <laughs> hey, look, I just give me a second. I'm going to open our Google Docs uh, with lists of segues. Right. Because <laughs> I can never think of any. Uh, but yeah, thank you, HasDB, uh, for the kind words. Yeah, you're living in the future right now. Five hours ahead of us. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about sieges. And in a character creation forge? We are building, naturally, the siege engine. 
Well, that's it for episode 170 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisa Chen, and I host Behold Her, a monthly podcast that shines a spotlight on women in the world of tabletop games. There are so many women to behold in this amazing hobby, and our experiences as female gamers are as diverse as we are as individuals. Through one-on-one interviews, audio essays, and panel discussions, all centered around a monthly theme, the guests on Beholder share their unique stories as players, game masters, designers, artists, organizers, and so much more. Their words are inspiring, uplifting, and informative. Check out Behold Her Podcast wherever podcasts are found or visit beholdherpodcast.com.